Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Tiffany in Rome, Katie in Seattle. And today we are going to be answering a listener question. Came in by email. You can always send us questions you want us to tackle on the show at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. This letter is from Andre, and I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and we'll kick it off from there. It says, Hi, girls. I wanted to reach out about something that's been playing on my mind a lot recently, and I wanted to know what your thoughts were. After living in Italy for six years, five in Milan and one in Rome, I still feel the sensation that my everyday life is all very surreal, almost like I'm on a holiday, although 80% of my life is actually dedicated to my work. I felt this way while living in Milan, but since living in Rome, it has been further amplified, and I've recently been thinking why that may be. I moved to Rome for a job in the historical Roman fashion house that is beyond my wildest dreams. Moved to an incredible city that is much larger and visually interesting compared to Milan, and the city itself, being more south, is much more typically Italian. Of course, all my personal opinions. Tiffany, did you ever feel this when you moved to Italy? If so, how long did it take to feel like this was your real life and not a movie? I'm sure the fact that after six years of living here and also having Italian-born grandparents, there are still so many things that I can't get my head around culturally, especially because I'm Australian, literally on the other side of the world. This reminds me constantly that I'm living in a country that is not my own. I would love to hear your thoughts. So, what are our thoughts? Oh, that's it's an interesting question. I it's it is so hard for me though to remember back to my first years in Rome to to see if I felt the same way. I don't feel that way now. Uh, my it life feels is, like real life right now. It feels like real life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I think part of that is because I don't live in the historic center anymore. Mm-hmm. So visually it's not obviously there's more to Rome and there's more to Italy than just quaintness and beautiful narrow streets and gorgeous art obviously but that does help with the magical aspect of the city I think and I think when you live in some incredible like maybe on some beautiful gorgeous street with I don't know a view of Castel Sant'Angelo, who knows? I'm just making this up. I don't know where Andre lives. But I can see how waking up every morning and looking out the window, you might have to pinch yourself and be like, is this really my life? Especially if you're used to looking out at, I don't know, a regular, ordinary suburban street in anywhere USA or anywhere Australia, I guess, in his case. Um, Although I'm sure there's some amazingly beautiful places in Australia. so I don't know. I, I think that might be part of it. And then he says he works a lot. So I was thinking at first when you started reading it, I was like, oh, is he you know, a retiree? Is he someone who gets up in the morning, takes a walk, has a coffee, sits down, reads the paper? Like, is, is it some kind of leisurely life like that? But no, he says he works a lot. 80% of his life sounds like a lot of work, Andre. <laughs> even, <laughs> even if you're not in Italy, that's a lot of work. But anyway... Um, I say hang on to it. I mean, I don't I don't know that I can relate or 
you know, not, but I would say if that's how you feel, I would, I would try to hang on to that feeling. Yeah. I, I think I would say it might have something to do with that. You're working a dream job also. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you have your dream job and you're living in Rome, which is, you know, obviously such an impressive city that we've talked about it for the last 10 years, <laughs> you know, I can see that it seems like how did in the world did this come to be my life? But out of curiosity, I mean, six years is quite a long time to feel but like... But only one year in Rome. True. Only one year in Rome. Well, but he said that like the, the whole time it's felt like it, it wasn't his real life. So, I mean, six years, how long, if you had to guess, and I know you're just guessing, how long did that feeling kind of last for you? Was it like a year? Did you ever have that feeling? I don't know if I ever had that feeling. I mean, I love Rome, as you know. But my first year was very hard and it was, it was very difficult for on many, many levels financially, um, as far as, you know, on a f- emotional level as well. Um, I didn't have any support, didn't have any friends. <laughs> I mean, my first year was rough. It was nothing dreamy about it. Yes, it was beautiful. And I could walk around the city and see beautiful places, but it wasn't opening the windows in the morning and hearing the birds singing and, you know, thinking, life is a dream. Um, (laughs) It was, it was really hard that first year and it got better. It definitely got better. I'm trying to think if there was ever a period in my Roman life that felt like a dream or felt like it couldn't be real. (laughs) I'm I'm guessing before you came to, before you came to live there would be the stories you've told me that seem the most dreamy are usually before you get there. Like you come to visit for a mm-hmm. summer up by Luca and you know you go to Florence and those are when you really let yourself spin around in the middle of a piazza with birds landing on your hand you know that is like your mm-hmm. your dreamy moments but then once you yeah, decide I, to move it's like gritty and yeah challenging it was for me i mean it was for me and everybody has a different experience you know especially uh considering what time of life they move there what their support system was like there if they had one if they had a job if they were looking for a job if they were legally living there or they weren't um so it can really depend on a lot of different factors i've had moments of that i've definitely had moments of that i talked about it on an episode a mini episode that i recorded right after a birthday in which i'd had this magical birthday night dinner and ice cream with claudio and so i mean i've definitely had moments of it many, many beautiful moments before and after I've been with Claudio moments, just being with friends, wandering the city. Definitely. I can think of lots of moments. I, what I can't imagine is a nonstop constant state of bliss and dreaminess that overrides a daily job and work and responsibilities. I can't imagine that. I mean, it's great to know that it exists, but it's kind of the opposite of what a lot of expats tend to tell people who want to move abroad, which is it's still going to be your life. You know, Mm. you might move abroad. Don't imagine that, you know, if you had this dreamy Italian vacation, don't think that you're going to move to Italy and it's going to be like being on vacation all day long because it's not. It's going to be real. You're going to have to get up early. You're going to have to go to work. You're going to have to pay your bills. You're going to have to do your shopping. And I think that is an important message for people to give them a little bit of an idea, you know, a realistic expectation. But it sounds like Andre has has captured yeah. it, has captured the true Dolce Vita, because we named this show The Bittersweet Life 
because it's never the sweet life or it doesn't seem to be possible to have the truly sweet life. And a lot of people romanticize Italy and they make Italy seem like this perfect place where everything is wonderful. And it isn't usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In reading his question, something that popped to my mind was, and I don't know what the cultural ethos of Australia is, but for instance, in the United States, and I, I don't know, Andre, correct me if I'm wrong here, but in the United States, I was surprised after my year in Italy, how quickly when I moved back to the United States, the pressure and the cultural kind of impetus to work really hard came back. And when I was living in Italy, I thought, I'm going to learn how to temper this. You know, I'm going to work during the day, but I'm also going to enjoy life, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it happened so quickly in moving home that all of a sudden I'm like, I got to work harder. I got to, you know, all the things that are the United States unintentionally came back. And so I wondered if part of Andre's bliss, not just the dream job and the fact that he's new to Rome and Rome is an incredible place, but part of the bliss is like, are you acting differently? Like, have you gotten out from underneath a part of the culture that was what was expected in Australia? And you're living in such a way that's different enough that it feels like an entirely different life. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, it's like you've almost given yourself permission to change the vibe of mm -hmm. what it was you were doing. And I was discussing this with a friend of mine prior to us taping, and, and he was saying, you know, it's sort of like, you know, anybody who's visited Italy knows that it's possible to get into a dreamlike state at certain moments when you're visiting Italy. And in that dreamlike state, you do things like sit in piazzas and drink Aperol spritzes. And then you get home and you're not in that dreamlike state anymore. And you decide like, oh, you know what I really love? I love an Aperol spritz. And you order one and at home you're like, oh, this isn't really that good of a drink. You know, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of bitter and it's sort of weak. It's like, why does everybody drink these? I don't get it. There's some trick that plays in your mind in certain circumstances. And I think in particular, honestly, in Italy, I'm not sure why, but it is like a, you know, like some sort of delirious haze comes over you when you're not from there and you go to visit there. You are tricked into believing that the Aperol Spritz is the best drink in the entire world when really- Not me. It's not. Not me. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, but you're, I, I, you're in real life. You're in real life. Okay. <laughs> you know the truth, which is an Aperol no, Spritz but is mean, not a great people, drink. Some people who live here permanently really like it. I know. They do. I, get I just it. don't. I get it. I think I don't like it because it's bitter and I don't like bitter things. I love bitter so. things. And I think the Aperol Spritz is kind of boring. But that said, <laughs> I, <laughs> but that said, so I guess that's kind of my question too. I mean, okay, so. but let's, let's delve a little deeper. Do you think that Italy and what people love about it and what people rave about and feel, is it a, is it an illusion? Like, is that uh, part of it? Do we, do we, are we, do we allow ourselves to be so romanticized by our idea of what Italy should be that we can, we kind of condition ourselves to get into that state? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I don't know because I, I guess, I guess I would say that I moved to Italy when we first started the show nearly 10 years ago. I don't know. I mean, okay, maybe I had gotten into a delusional state after visiting there for your wedding. That's possible. But I don't think mm -hmm. I came to Italy with a whole bunch of feelings and assumptions. 
Like I had never, I mean, I'd seen some Italian films, I guess. And mm-hmm. I, uh, but I had, prior to your wedding, I'd never been in Europe before. So I didn't walk around being like, oh, one day Europe, it's going to be the most amazing place in the world. It's like kings and queens and castles. And, you know, I just didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have a picture in my head of what it was going to be like. So it can't all be fantasy because I definitely felt like there was so much to discover and there was so much beauty to behold in Rome. That said, after living there a year and then coming back to visit, you know, every few years, I I can definitely get in that dreamlike state on certain days and I can definitely feel appreciative to be there. Like I definitely love being there, but I don't think I wander around like not irritated by the things in Rome that are inconvenient and suck. (laughs) (laughs) I put up with it because I think, well, obviously, because I can do nothing about it. And also because I can find that inconvenience part of what it means to be in Rome. So it doesn't really really bother me. But I don't think I go around being like, and now sunshine and, you know, but I don't even know. Even as I say that, I'm like, is that true? I don't know. I mean, the question is for you, when did the bubble pop? But I think that even for me, like as a person who didn't live there, if I had to say like, when did the bubble pop for me was probably not during the year I lived there. It was probably in one or two visits later when I came back and you asking me the question, like, would you live here again? Are you still planning to come back here again? And me saying no, it wasn't like I intentionally thought that the bubble popped, but it was more like just sort of realizing it wasn't the realizing of the absence of the dreamlike state, but also realizing the things that I want to accomplish, at least currently in life, I can't accomplish them there. It was more like that. I can't do what I want to do and live in Rome right now. I might be able to Mm. do that later, but I can't do it right now. And so that was real life coming into, you know, the fantasy life of living in Rome. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. I don't know that I could say that the bubble popped for me. I don't see it as being that dramatic. Yeah. I think a big part of it was having a child. Mm just having way more responsibilities and having very strict regulation on my time and not going out at all the first few years pretty much not going out except it was unless it was like a birthday or an anniversary not enjoying the city not the only time I ever was in the city was when I went you know went to work (laughs) and so it was a combination of having my son and moving out to the outskirts of the city those two things kind of turned rome for me into a much more normal everyday pedestrian reality i find that kind of fascinating actually because i believe from our conversations prior to you having a really when you were back trying to decide whether or not you did want to have a child And then following his birth, the discussions about moving out, it's exactly in some ways what you were worried about. It wasn't how you Mm -hmm. were articulating it. You know, it was never like, what if the bubble pops and I live a pedestrian lifestyle? But I think you were worried that that would happen, that things would become more mundane, not by having a Mm -hmm. child, but by... No, not living in the center, you know, that sort of thing. It's part of it. The child is a big part of it. And and I think that's true no matter where you live, <laughs> having a child makes your life more mundane, period. It, anybody who says that otherwise 
has a full-time nanny and, you know, a cook <laughs> and uh, and a chauffeur, okay? More it mundane because you're home, more, you're more ritualized. You're you home. More every, yeah, you got to get up. You got to make them breakfast. You got to, you know, clean them, whatever, depending on the age, change their diaper, get them off to school. If they're at school age, drive them here, drive them there, pick them up, yeah. fill out the form. Do they have everything <laughs> they need? Do they have their lunch? Make their lunch. You know, if you've got multiple kids, you're sitting there every morning making sandwiches. I mean, it's mundane. I think fill Being... out the form was the best thing you said there as far as like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fill out the form. Just say that. And we're all like, yeah, that that's it. The fill out the form. <laughs> yeah. Like tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow is saturday morning okay it's too hot i wouldn't go into the center and frolic around without really or by myself anyway so i can't really say i'm missing out on anything i'd probably be holed up in the air conditioning anyway mm -hmm. but tomorrow we have to get up early to go to get aurelio's passport renewed his italian passport mm. um which hey i'm grateful that we have a need for a passport you know i'm it's it's a privilege that we travel so I'm not going to complain too much, but you know, it's like, it's a boring thing to do. It's like, I got to get my kid's passport. I got to get my kid's shots. I got to get my kid, you know, <laughs> I got to take him to his swimming lesson. I right. got to do, I mean, it's endless. It's endless. And I, I have no regrets about having my son. I, I adore every minute. I mean, not every minute, not honest. the forms, but I, ad yeah. <laughs> I adore most of it. I, I truly, he brings more joy to my life than anything. Yes. But it does make your, oh, it makes your life way less spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm really lucky because I have my, my in-laws and sometimes Claudia and I'll be, you know, on a Friday night and be like, he'll, he'll text me from work and be like, do you want to go out tonight? I can call my mom and see if, you know, but it's, it's never a question because his mom is a homebody. She doesn't really like to go out. She likes to be at home and she loves having Aurelio and he loves going to her. So, you know, nine times out of 10, unless it's, unless she's sick or got something going on, she's happy to, to take Aurelio. That is something that most parents don't have. The mm -hmm. sort of last minute, should we go out and have, you know, a date night? So I'm lucky that we actually are able to have more spontaneity than the average couple with a young child. But yeah, it takes a lot of spontane spontaneity out of life. So anyways, this isn't an episode about having kids and how it ruins your life. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I think that that's a bigger... I, I honestly think that's a bigger part of it than moving out here. I really do. I think it's also... A I mean, part of it for me in Rome and even how I try to approach living in Seattle where I've lived a vast majority of my life is, you know, you have to almost, and it sounds like Andre's not there, but you have to almost like fight the mundane when you can. In Rome, that's as simple as maybe you're walking on the same street, but you're noticing different details. And there's so many details and intricacies and flourishes in Rome, there's a lot to notice. But I think that in any city or small town that you're in, part of it is like being aware and looking at the world and not just thinking about what you need to be doing in your head. And I, mm -hmm. it does seem like Andre, and I think even me, because I'm not in Rome very often, are able to keep that kind of openness to it when you are there. You know, you just see more, you take it in, you let your time feels shifted. You let your attentions be pulled in different directions. And I think that's a lot of what the wonder of it is, is this deeper awareness of all these little things around you and not just the routine. Yes, that's exactly it. And that's exactly it. And when you're, when you are in the center of the Rome of Rome, it's so much easier. There's so much beauty around you. 
And I mean, we did an episode way back, way, way, way back called Is Beauty Enough? Yeah, episode one. Was that episode one? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we didn't call it Is Beauty Enough, did we? Because we used to have one word titles. I back think it, in the I think it was seasons. called Outset. But we were asking right. the question, is beauty enough? Is beauty enough to keep you living in a place? Right, right. Well, I think that, um, not to rehash that episode, of course, I can't remember what we said, but <laughs> when the beauty around you or the quaintness or the character or the local color or whatever it is that you appreciate, because people appreciate different things, when that perhaps seemingly superficial thing brings you not only joy but inspiration and excitement and sense of living in the moment then I think it is worth it Mm -hmm. it's a good reminder to notice those things and I mean recently I interviewed Liam Callanan Mm -hmm. for this show and we met in Prati and it was springtime it wasn't so hot yet like it is now miserable um and we were sitting in a sidewalk cafe and he was just rhapsodic about Rome because, you know, he doesn't live here. And so everything was inspiring him and he was noticing everything. And I was sort of picking up on that and appreciating that through him and noticing it on my own. When I have moments like that, yes, I feel like that. This is the same thing that happened to me on that night of my birthday. And it happens to me more than I, you know, mention. It happens to me. That's why I say I don't think the bubble has popped because you know, when I'm in the city and I take the time and it's not like I'm just like on my way to the tax preparer or or on my way to, you know, do something or maybe working. But that, but to interrupt myself, when I do tours of Rome, it's actually kind of a gift because oftentimes you will see the city through the eyes of your, your clients, your to- the tourists who are on your tour. And that's wonderful because mm-hmm. you really, it's almost like stepping back and being a tourist yourself. You 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 can perceive from them that amazement, you know, hopefully, yeah. um, of uh, of some beautiful place or some little detail and the wonder. So working, luckily for for me particularly, doesn't always preclude that. But yeah, I just think you wherever you live, whether it's in Seattle or the suburbs of Rome, there is beauty everywhere. Mm-hmm. Not everywhere is going to be as beautiful as a little narrow street in Rome or a beach in Australia, quite frankly. But you, can, I think you can find beauty anywhere. All it takes is just to notice, you know, notice a particular moment, find the beauty in that moment. For me, I think it's like my breath, having breakfast, especially if the weather is temperate and I can have breakfast outside and the view from my balcony in the distance, you can see a line of Roman pine trees. Just that. I mean, when, before I moved to Rome, just seeing the Roman pine trees was exciting. You know, and now I see them from my balcony. And mm-hmm. sometimes I don't think about it. Sometimes I don't appreciate that. The truth is, when I was living in Trastevere on Via San Francesco Arepa, all I saw out my window was another building. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. And yeah. so, in a sense, I have a better view now. Yeah. <laughs> depending on what you like. That's so true. And I, I, I talk about birds too much. It's true. And that said, I have purposefully put out things in my yard in particular the view that i have when i'm working at my desk to attract birds into my view to make it more interesting and it does interrupt my work on a regular basis because the more established everybody knows that the food is good and the water is good the more 
interesting birds stop by. And the other day, I had three pileated woodpeckers, which are the kind that Woody Woodpecker is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Come to my backyard at the same time. Three at the same time, which I think looking at them, it looked like it was a parent and two children, but the children are like the size of the parent. And, you know, I've never seen them in the area where I live. So I, I definitely do things to change my environment. I mean, I was wanting to say to Andre also and to is that, I mean, never underestimate having a dream job for general outlook on life. Because when I first got my job at NPR in those first five years or so, I was just so engaged and so delighted through most days. It didn't mean that it was super easy to get up when the alarm clock went off in the morning. But, you know, I just looked forward to every day. And, oh my gosh, what are we going to do today? And, and the work was super hard and it was really challenging. And I felt like I was growing as a human all the time and meeting these people that I loved and seeing the city with them, you know, and everything just felt like alive and new and fascinating because we were all over the city of Seattle, figuring out stories, interviewing people, running around, taking lunch breaks, you know, and it was just a dream. By the end of the day, I'd be just completely wiped and looking forward to the next day. And of course, over time, the patina of that wears away and you start to, you know, despise certain aspects of your job. Uh, but, but that said, I mean, I mean, you cannot underestimate the feeling of exploring a city while you're doing a job that you absolutely love. It just, everything feels different. You overlook so much when everything else is sort of going great. So I'm hoping it lasts forever, Andre. For you, I hope this is just, it's all wonderful until you decide, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, I did everything I wanted to do, and now I will go sit on an Italian beach or return to the beaches of Australia. I mean, for everyone, it's like, gosh, I hope part of this show is about like how to maintain some sense of wonder in the world and in your day-to-day -day life even when it is filling out a lot of forms. You know, I, it's, a, it's a secret goal of mine that this show kind of keeps the wonder spark somewhat alive for all of us, you know, not just for Tiffany and me, but for everyone listening. It's a secret hidden goal. I use birds <laughs> as a, a stand-in to talk about that goal, but yeah, but that's what it's all about. It's like being aware and seeing all the things, you know, looking for the little things that make it feel wonderful. Now, you know? I think that's a huge, huge key to... To happiness is looking and noticing, looking for and noticing those little things that bring you joy. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's so simple and it nevertheless is so rewarding that if you just stop and appreciate it. And you know what else? I think that, I mean, I know I'm guilty of this. Do you ever stop and think to yourself, the reality of my life right now was once a dream for me? Mm -hmm. It was once a goal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, for me, just living, just living in Rome. I mean, that was a huge goal for me to live in Rome. Yeah. And that's my reality now, uh, despite yeah. the fact that it might not be as romantic as it once was or as, as I'd like it to be. It's still my reality. And there are so many of those things that I think if you stop to think about it, whether it's a job that you have right now or the house that you live in or your partner or your child or the trip that you're on or the thing you accomplished so many of the things that are our realities were once our dreams. Yeah. And it's nice to, sometimes you, you forget to revel in those little successes, but we should revel a little bit more. 
let's say life is on a ladder and you have a tendency to look up and see how much farther you have to go and until this until that and and it's rarer to look back down the ladder and see how far you've come far you've come Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep yeah i think you're so right i think you're so right well we should leave it there as we mentioned we are uh, we are not going to go completely dark. We decided during the month of August, we were going to go like completely. We can't help it. We can't help but give you something to listen to. I think part of it for me was I was talking to my sister, Dana, who is exactly what you would hope for in a sister and in a fan of the show, where when she wakes up in the morning and it's a day the episode comes out, she's listened to it before the the rest of the world <laughs> you know she it's the first thing she does like she puts it on while she's you know getting ready or I don't know what she's doing but you know it's the first thing that she listens to in the day that it comes out and so she was saying yeah I understand the need for a break and that you guys have a lot going on and like planning the October trip and blah 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 but what am I gonna do <laughs> what am I gonna Aww. listen to and she's already a supporter on Patreon, so I can't just say, well, go over on Patreon and listen to all the bonus episodes you haven't heard yet, because she's already heard them all. She's heard them. <laughs> she listens to those the day they come out. So we decided not to go totally dark. We're going to play four amazing interviews that are, were on the show a long time ago that I'm sure you've forgotten about, even if you've listened from the very beginning. They're not huge, big-name celebrity types, but they're just four totally fascinating interviews so we are going to be taking some time off but we're not going to leave you high and dry that said if you're like but where's tiffany i don't want to hear just katie talking to people the whole month of august (laughs) you can join us on patreon patreon patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast there will be new bonus episodes coming out there in august and you could of course listen to the entire back catalog of bonus things for as little as five dollars a month and support the show in the meantime which you know there's a lot of people asking yeah a lot of people asking you for support but forego that coffee once a month and you'll keep this show alive and help us pay the bills which we can very much appreciate and uh keep yourself entertained as well but again not leaving you high and dry and yeah until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again Bye.